That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte. We are at a, a beautifully snowy Camden Yards. Nice to see the field all covered with yeah. snow. It's a nice, nice aesthetic. It's a nice scene. It is. It's a little winter wonderland here at Camden Yards. So, Bones, I don't know if you saw yesterday, but I, I came to this wonderful ballpark yesterday to take some pictures to post on our social media. And I was thinking of, of a caption, what would be something funny. And so the thing that I thought of was, which Oriole would you take to win a snowball fight? And then once I posted it, got me thinking, which Oriole would win in a snowball fight? So I, I went pretty wow. in depth in this. I'll let you start <clears throat> of, of who you would take in an Oriole snowball fight. We had some questions about, is this like you are in a snowball fight alongside an Oriole and then you have to face the other Orioles kind of thing? No, it's just a dodgeball style 1v1. Imagine you've got like Vince Vaughn against Ben Stiller type of 1v1 dodgeball okay. here. It, that is the scenario we're posing. Well, there's a lot of options here. Obviously. A lot of options. There's a ton yeah. of options. Um, first thing that comes to my mind is who's got the biggest arm. Sure. Uh, who do you not want to see whipping that thing towards your skull? And I think everybody knows that that is the mountain. Um, though he's a big target, he once he throws that thing, no one's going to want to play. You're right. Everyone's going to be like, all right, Felix, like, you win, dude. Like, we get it. Yeah. Um, so... I think that once he whips one of those things at like 110 miles an hour at you, you're going to be pretty shook. Um, other options that uh, I think could do pretty well, Jorge Mateo comes to mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of speed. Uh, are the guys playing with cleats or no cleats here? I, would cleats help you? Absolutely they would. I, I guess a little bit. Yeah, prob traction. probably have to go metal spikes or something. All right. Well, I think I'm, I mean, Jorge Mateo is hard to say no to. Right. Um, you know, he's a nimble guy. He's got a good arm. He can, you know, dodge and weave and whatnot. And uh, I, I like him there. And then, you know, the other guy that you got to think about is Gunner, right? Sure. I mean, this is a guy who can kind of throw the ball from any angle, can contort his body to throw the ball wherever yep. he wants to put it. Yep. Um, and if he's playing against a guy like Felix, he's going to hit him. He is. Yeah. He's just got to not get hit. So yeah. those are my three choices. Yeah, I went pretty in-depth on this one. I think there's four key things that you're looking at. I think you highlighted two of them, but there's two that I don't think you highlighted that yeah, are important. Sure, go ahead. The first one, uh, the first category I'm looking at is speed and athleticism, right? Are, are you going to be able to dodge those snowballs when they're coming at you? That's a big one. The second obvious one, arm strength, arm accuracy. Can you whip that thing? Can you do some damage with it if you're connecting on a snowball? The third one is if you do get hit by a snowball, are you going to be able to tank that out? I mean, have you got the stability to just take a snowball to the chest and keep going? And the fourth underrated one, I'm going to kind of lump these things together, but the speed with which you can make a snowball, I'm going to factor into, did you grow up somewhere with snow easily accessible? I don't know that many of these guys did. Right. Good point. I think that's a good point because, it, look, if you're thinking about the scene from Elf, where Buddy the Elf is just whipping those snowballs at those kids. Yes, he's got the accuracy, 
and he's got the arm talent, but he's also building those snowballs he's got a mound incredibly of ammo quickly. Immediately, exactly. And I think that's going to be vitally important here in this snowball fight, which is a, a thing you didn't consider. So I've got a top five. I think I also have Mateo and Gunner, but I'm going to rule them out because Mateo, again, Dominican Republic guy, not a lot of snow. Gunner Henderson, Alabama boy, not a lot of snow. Grayson Rodriguez I have as well, but he gets eliminated for the same reason. Nagadocious. Nagadocious, Texas native. Not a lot of snow. He's got the arm talent. I think he's got the athleticism. Maybe if you get hit by Grayson I'm once or twice, one man who you're I out. Know coming up here. I've got two guys for you. Oh. The first one is probably the choice that you were thinking of in Adley Rutschman. Yeah, Pacific Northwest guy. Great athlete. Pacific Northwest guy. He's got that one video where he's doing Russian twists shirtless in the snow yeah. with a plate. I mean, that guy's I, he's he kind of born in the dude, snow. As we all know. He's molded by it. And he's a tank. I mean, I think Adley could take some of those snowballs. I just don't know if he's getting, going. getting out of the way when Felix beams one at him. That's all I'm saying. And I've got another candidate who's a little bit faster than Adley Rutschman. That's Ryan McKenna. Mm. Northeast boy. Graduated from a high school in New Hampshire. Oh, Great speed. It. Great arm. He's got the total package. Yeah. But I think Adley beats him on being able to tank out some snowball throws at him. I think we probably have to test that because I'm not sure. So those are my final two, being Adley and Ryan McKenna. And I think there's a fun factor to it where Adley and Ryan McKenna would recognize that that's a great bit to to win the Orioles snowball fight, and I think they would take it very seriously. That's a good piece of scouting right there. I think you have a future as a snowball fight scout. I think we should... Test this. I mean, there's probably only one day a year when if you, you can, can get test all this. the guys here. It doesn't to snow do it, very often there. in Baltimore, and it's certainly not going to snow during the season. I say certainly not, but probably not. I think Adley's probably my winner, but I think Ryan McKenna's a sneaky runner-up. Okay, I like that out of you. I do. Strong <laughs> argument. We do have a lot of news and notes to get to uh, outside of snowball fights. Let's start with some of the arbitration guys. Okay, heading into the deadline to. Sign guys before they hit arbitration. The Orioles had 13 guys that were on the way. They had already agreed to contracts with arbitration-eligible players in Jorge Mateo, Keegan Aiken, Ryan McKenna, and Sam Hilliard. Those contracts were out of the way. So of the 17 that were eligible, you had 13 left. You agreed to contracts before the arbitration deadline with eight of them. Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, John Means, Ramon Arias, Cole Irvin, Tyler Wells, Dylan Tate. Not a lot to break down there outside of the fact that you had, you know, some guys were slightly over their arbitration estimates in terms of what contract they ended up getting from the Orioles. Some guys were a little bit under. Whatever. It's a little bit of money here and there. Doesn't make too much of a difference. I think the general takeaway is just that it's nice to avoid that arbitration process if you can. And it's nice that the Orioles were able to agree to contracts with eight of these guys before having to go to arbitration. Yeah, arbitration is not something any team or player wants to be a part of, right? Um, So they did a pretty good job in trying to avoid it with as many guys as they could. Didn't get them all, but I'm not sure how many teams with this many guys do get them all. Right. Um, So I think they did a pretty good job, and uh, while some guys will go to arbitration, I'm sure it'll be all right. Yeah, it'll be fine. I mean, it's, yes, a process that you would probably like to avoid if possible, but it's not some sort of sentence where all of a sudden the relationship between the team and the player is going to be ugly. It doesn't have to be an ugly process. Like we've, there are 
some horror stories around baseball. Yeah. Like we have heard from guys like Corbin Burns where he said the Brewers organization blamed him for not making the playoffs when he was in his arbitration hearing. So it can get to stuff like that. Not saying it is going to yeah. in this case. I'm sure everything is going to be fine on the Orioles side of things. But as you mentioned, the Orioles do have a lot of guys that were arbitration eligible. And the other big takeaway from this process is just that it's a nice sign of a healthy organization to have yeah. this many arbitration eligible players. When you look around baseball and talk about a lot of the teams that have a lot of guys eligible for arbitration, it's a lot of really good teams. A lot of really healthy organizations. Teams like the Dodgers and Yankees are consistently up there in the amount of players that they are going through this process with. And it means that you have identified talent pretty early on in their careers and have stuck with that talent to the point where you are now going through this process with them and they are earning raises. So it's a nice sign of a healthy spot for the organization. A sign of very good development as well yeah. to get um, this amount of guys to this point um, where... They're still and at least MLB uh, worthy of talent. Um, obviously, most of these guys are far above that metric, but it's a very good sign of good development that the Orioles have gone through uh, and turned a lot of these guys into into pretty big time players. Yeah. So that as well, putting them in that echelon of the Yankees and the Dodgers and whatnot, uh, makes sense. Yeah, you had a couple of former Rule Five draft picks that were eligible for big raises in Anthony Santander, in Tyler Wells. Cedric Mullins wasn't a very high draft pick. I mean, John Means wasn't a top 30 prospect. Yeah. Ramona Rios was a small move. Ryan O'Hearn, CNL Perez, Danny Coulomb, Jacob Webb, all of these guys that are going into the process. Great diamond in the rough sort of finds for the Orioles. And not only have you developed them, but you have deemed that they are worthy of those races, that you're not going to non-tender them, that you're going through the process of arbitration. So a really nice sign for the Orioles. Absolutely. Outside of that, some more news and notes to hit on. Baseball America dropped their new top 100 prospect rankings this morning. Unsurprisingly, Jackson Holiday is the number one prospect in baseball. Had some challengers. I, I think you were really only looking at Jackson Churio, maybe Wyatt Langford. Wyatt Langford, dude. As the only two that I was plausibly thinking could have challenged him. I thought, it, I thought he him. might have been up there. Wyatt Langford is excellent. but He's a baller. You know, he did. He was a well-established college bat. You have Jackson Holiday that is still younger than Wyatt Langford. I thought Langford would have been the third-ranked prospect in baseball. He comes in at number five. Evan Carter at number four as well. So that's great for Texas to have two top five prospects. Kobe Mayo comes in at number 25. I honestly thought he could have been a little bit higher. I still think 25 is an excellent ranking for Kobe Mayo. Colton Kowser at number 34. Heston Kerstad at number 41. And then D.L. Hall still sneaks into the top 100 at 93. He lost his prospect eligibility on MLB Pipeline, still has it on Baseball America. I think he's like one appearance away from losing his prospect status. Say, a little late in that. For so him. he still has his not number 93 overall ranking. Look, the Orioles just do this year after year. I mean, six top 100 prospects is excellent. You could argue they could have had seven or eight. Joey say, Ortiz and Connor Norby. Uh, Joey Ortiz, not in the top 100. He has to be like 101. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get how he's not top 100. He should be. He's got to be right outside. He's got to be right outside. After a season like that, honestly, it's a little bit wild. Yeah. Um, I guess 320 with elite Got to be hitting 330. Yeah. End of the day, you got to be hitting 330. Yep. Like, That's the on. only way. <laughs> I don't know. Connor Norby, I would imagine, is probably somewhere 
right there too, yeah. maybe like a 110 or something sure. like that for Norby. But look, six top 100 prospects, you're not going to complain. Absolutely not. And how about the rise of Basayo? Yep. I mean, all the way up to 10. I mean, this guy has had some kind of meteoric rise through the system that is being overshadowed by the, the greatness of Jackson Holiday uh, in the minor leagues. So, I mean, not something to be upset about. But Basayo, man, I mean, this guy has, you know, we all knew he was the real deal. Yep. But I guess now the rest of the country gets to say, oh, okay, that guy is the real deal, huh? Because if you're not zoomed in on him, you probably wouldn't know about it. But, I mean, he just set... You know, the minor league's on fire at the end of last year. He's a huge kid, um, and he could probably make a difference sooner rather than later in the majors, too. Yeah, a couple of huge grades, too, for Samuel Basayo. Baseball America gives him a 70 power tool. That's crazy. And a 70 grade on his arm. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. So, still remains to be seen a little bit if Basayo is going to continue to you know, potentially outgrow the catcher position. He hasn't done it so far. But even if you end up with a first baseman with a 70-grade power tool, that's excellent. His hit tool is at a 55. I think that probably surprised a lot of people because Samuel Basayo coming into the year, you knew the power tool was going to be there, but you didn't think he was going to hit 313 across yeah. three levels of the minor leagues this season. That's unbelievable. When you see a guy with that high of a power tool, a lot of the times I feel like the hit tool is below 50 more than more than often. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to see that is just nuts. And that's, I think, why he's getting the recognition that he is. Because, like you said, he's hitting three, he's 313. I yeah. mean, this isn't a guy who's just hitting for power. He hits the, the crap out of the ball. Um, and... You know that's not that's pretty invaluable in a prospect that that's that's that big and has that great of an arm um, for him to traverse the system not as well as Jackson Holiday did but still did it a little bit. I think this is somebody you got to be really pumped about. And by the way, he's eighteen. Yeah. Well, he's nineteen <laughs> now, but it was his age eighteen season last year. I mean, he was eighteen. He got to Bowie. Yeah. He hit four sixty seven in four games at Bowie, but. I, he was 18. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's ridiculously good. And he's so good, man. We're going to see how, you know, he is behind the plate. We know the arm is fantastic. He's going to throw out a lot of runners. Interested to see as he continues to fill out, get older, mature a little bit more is, you know, is his defense behind the plate going to keep up? Is the hit tool going to remain? But Samuel Basayo as of right now is the 10th ranked prospect on Baseball America's Top 100 is a massive development on a couple of fronts. The first one is just, again, to have two top 10 prospects in baseball yeah. is huge. I think we can officially put Samuel Basayo in that untouchable Yes, absolutely. Portion you can't of the move trade. him. Yeah, you, you can't move Samuel Basayo. And looking at the top 10, you've got Jackson Holiday at number one. The nine guys ahead of Samuel Basayo, eight of them, are expected to debut in 2024. Wow. The only player who is not is Ethan Salas. Who's like 12. catcher in the Padres organization who is approximately 12 years old, yes. So you could realistically see a path for Samuel Basayo to become the number one overall prospect in baseball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ethan Salas is awesome. And again, he did things at the age of 17 that Samuel Basayo did at the age of 18. They are both unbelievable prospects that play the same position. 
We'll see what both of them are able to do in 2024. You got to keep an eye on both of them. They might be the future of the catcher position along with Adley Rutschman in the big leagues in a couple of years. But let's say Basayo outplays Ethan Salas this year. Basayo's only one year older. Basayo could jump Salas in the prospect rankings. Yeah. And then after a bunch of graduations with guys debuting this year, we're looking at four straight number one overall prospects. There's an avenue. There's a yes, real there avenue. An avenue. Absolutely. With a talent like Basayo, I think that... I mean, the development will give him that shot regardless. Like, at some yeah. point, he will have that chance to, regardless of who's in front of him just because he is that good, and if he continues to put up the numbers, he'll be undeniable, um, especially if he keeps the catcher position. I feel yep. like when you move a guy like that to first base, everyone's like, okay, well, now he's a first baseman. Yeah. Um, so if he if he maintains his, his you know, his catcherdom, uh, I think, yeah, I think that uh, he could totally have that chance. And like you said, Solace is ahead of him. But like, I, I mean, if Basayo puts up another year, it's like, okay, we get it. Solace is fantastic. Yeah, Solace. He's fantastic. Yep. But I'm not sure he's Samuel Basayo. He did struggle in double A a little bit. I'm not nitpicking Again, Ethan 12. Solace. He was 17. <laughs> he struggled in double A a little bit because he was 17 yeah, years old. Bonkers. So we'll see what those guys are able to do. But if the Orioles end up with four straight number one overall prospects in baseball. That's I'd, some serious business, dude. Goodness. I think the biggest thing that I'm looking at with Basayo that, that kind of gets us into the next part of our conversation here about the Orioles' new academy in the Dominican Republic is that for years and years, the Orioles just had no international prospects in their top 30, not even close to the top 100. The Orioles were not active in that market at all. The Michael Elias era comes in, brings in Kobe Perez, who has done an outstanding yeah, he's job fantastic. of building up, you know, not only getting things started with the Dominican Academy, but finding guys like Basayo that before the academy even opened, you were selling those guys on the future of this organization, the future of what that academy could look like. Somebody like Basayo, Michael Hernandez, signed at a time when the Orioles didn't have this foundation set up. And now they do. And now you can bring prospects in and say, look, one of our recent international signings is a top 10 prospect in all of baseball because we developed him that way. We have a brand new academy. So yes, this is an amazing individual accomplishment for Samuel Basayo. It's really cool that he has gotten to this point. But as a whole, it really ties in nicely with what the Orioles have built internationally and what they are going to continue to build moving forward. And the other thing is, you the, the, the chance you hit on one of these guys is pretty slim. Sure. And the fact that the Orioles did pretty much with Basayo without having the facility that they have right now is bonkers. Yep. So, I mean, that's something else to say, you know, now, we, you know, we've done it with Pisayo. Now we have this incredible facility. I don't really see how this isn't the place you'd want to be if you're an international amateur prospect. Right. You know how the Orioles can develop players. Samuel Pisayo, by the way, did not have the biggest signing bonus in the Orioles international class that yeah. year. It was Michael Hernandez who you know, still has a lot of potential. He is still very early on in his career. But Michael Hernandez got the highest signing bonus there. Mm -hmm. Samuel Basayo was you know, the secondary player a lot of people viewed in that class. And now he turns into 
one of the best prospects in all of baseball. And you look at the Orioles' top 30, it's not just Basayo. You've got Braylon Tavera, who flashed a lot last year. Really excited to see what he can do in year two. Leandro Arias, Freddie Ben Cosme, Luis Almeida. So it's not just Basayo at the top. The Orioles have grown internationally so exponentially over the last few years that the top 30 prospect rankings are now not just your amateur draft players. And that's all it was for a really long time. Yeah. This is how teams are built around baseball. Yes, you hit in the amateur draft, but you also need to sign guys internationally. And it was just such a miss for the Orioles for so many years to not be active in that market at all. When you see teams around baseball, I mean, where would the Braves be? Without the international oh, yeah. market, yeah. without guys like Acuna and yeah, Ozzy Albies. Imagine they never had Acuna or Albies. Yeah, they, mean, their franchise would be drastically that's different. That's a completely different team. Yeah. I mean, where are teams like the Nationals that built their team over the last few years with guys like Juan Soto, yep. Victor Robla? This is how teams around baseball are built. And a good, sustainable organization is going to be able to find ways to get talent in the amateur draft, get talent internationally and just have that continue to feed what they have going on in the organization. And to your point, Elias said this was the you know, biggest achievement their group has made yeah, that's in the last five statement. years. Huge statement. They just won the AL East. And they, again, it's a team that we are talking about potentially having four number one overall prospects yes. in baseball. Yeah. This is so, a team that drafted Adley, drafted Jackson Holiday, drafted Gunner. To say that this is your biggest achievement? Yeah, it's not. I mean, that, that's really high praise. And I yeah. think he's right. You know, th this elevates the the organization and the farm especially to a point that I'm not sure people realized it could get. I mean, this is, you know, the number one farm system in baseball for what seems like three years now. I mean, I think that it's only getting better, which is something that I don't think people expected. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, the fact that this comes in conjunction with the J-15 guys, the yeah. international class that the Orioles brought in. They opened up the Dominican Academy, which is awesome, and they had some brand-new signings there. So let's let's break down some of those signings. There's two guys at the top that you were looking at. The Orioles are still kind of in the phase. Outside of Luis Almeida last year, that was a bit more of a, a higher echelon prospect. The Orioles are still in the phase, I think rightfully so, where they're not going to target like the number one international prospect that they can possibly get. You're trying to flush out the system here. Yeah. It, it was bare. It, like, there was not much that you could work with. So they are trying to bring in depth. Yes, you want to bring in the high-end talent. You have it with guys like Basayo, But you also just want to fill it out. So there's a couple of guys that are ranked right around 30 in MLB Pipeline's top 50 international prospects. First one who got the highest signing bonus was Emilio Sanchez. The 30th ranked international prospect, according to both MLB Pipeline and Baseball America, signed for a $1.3 million signing bonus. That's the same amount given to Samuel Basayo. It is trailing the $2.3 million signing bonus given to Luis Almeida and the $1.7 given to Braylon Tavera. We are not scouts, so the best that we can do is just try to compile what we are reading about these guys. I can guys. tell you what I read. <laughs> I have not seen Emilio Sanchez in person. But this is what the scouts are saying about him. 16 years old, left-handed hitting shortstop, throws right-handed, 6-1-160 right now. Obviously, he's going to grow, mature, fill out a little bit. He's got a 55 grade on the hit tool. Everything else, he got a 50. So that's a very well-rounded player. Yes. If you are getting 50 grades, 
in your power, in your fielding, in your speed, in overall. That's a very nice, well-rounded player. I think that's a theme that we will see here with these top two guys. The scouts say about Emilio Sanchez that he's got a strong and accurate arm, easy, fluid motions at shortstop, which is huge for somebody that young. You're not looking for everything to be completely polished, but fluidity there is big at a young age. Good footwork, shown sides of pull side power. Scouts have said that he can grow into his power a little bit. Pitch recognition, scouts say, is advanced for his age, which is also huge. Yeah, I I think that that's probably what... Yeah, well, it caught my eye. I'm sure it caught the Orioles as well. Is that yeah. this kid at 16 years old has some pretty advanced pitch recognition? Uh, I think that's something that that's probably you know that they were looking at. Um, and for a kid like him to have power already and have some tools inside the box to use in terms of pitch rec, I think is pretty valuable. Yeah, and if you're looking again at a shortstop that is 16 years old, pitch recognition is huge for a 16 year old. Yeah, absolutely. You don't get that a lot with a prospect that is that young. And having some polish in the field as a shortstop at that young of an age, that's big too. So those are two things that can certainly grow, and it feels like you have a good base with Emilio Sanchez. Not one tool that is completely flying off the board, but just a really well-rounded player. Some scouts have said that they could see him as a potential second baseman or third baseman, but for right now, you've got a shortstop. And those are a lot of the top prospects that you are going to see around baseball a lot of them that are going to get a lot of money are going to be shortstops. Yep. That's what you look at on the international market. Absolutely. And, you know, at 6'1", at 16 years old, I'm sure he'll still, you know, he has to grow and mature and whatnot. So um, he'll have a pretty big frame uh, for a shortstop, similar to Gunner maybe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, with that power to the pull side, that could help out here as well. Yeah, I feel like with a lot of these taller shortstops, there was a portion of time that you looked at and said, ah, taller shortstop doesn't really work. And then Carlos Correa was really good. And then Corey Seager was really good. And now Gunnar Henderson is really good. Yeah. So you're going, okay, yeah, that, that place. Those guys also tend to have more power as well. Right. So, I mean, that, that trends toward what the game is, is going toward as well. So I think you're right. Those guys have really paved the way and Gunnar's the next up. Right. Next highest bonus to an international prospect For the Orioles goes to outfielder Steven Martinez. He is the 28th-ranked prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, 38th according to Baseball America. So those two outlets disagree on Martinez's upside a little bit. Signed for a $950,000 bonus. He's got a couple of 55 grades with his power and arm strength. And again, everything else is a 50. So you've got another very well-rounded prospect here. On MLB Pipeline, they are huge on Steven Martinez. Scouts have said that the biggest thing that stands out about him is his raw power at the plate. He's got a strong and athletic frame at 6'3", 175. It's a big kid for 16 years old. Baseball America doesn't love the power as much, but MLB Pipeline says his home run potential is, quote, off the charts. That's kind of crazy. You like that? Yeah. I mean, I read that he's projected to be a middle-of-the-order bat. Yep. So if, if you're looking at a kid who's 16 years old and you're saying, okay, in four or five years, he's a middle-of-the-order bat, that's pretty impressive. He's got to have done some crazy things at the plate. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, I'd am pretty. i be pretty happy bringing in a kid that has home run potential off the charts. Sure. I, I think anybody would be. Yeah. And one of the scouts' biggest concerns is the swing and miss potential in his game. 
okay, if you have home run power that's off the charts and you swing and miss a lot, welcome to being, I don't know, every home run hitter in the big leagues. I mean, that's what they do. That's what guys do, and that's how they get the money, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, they strike out a lot. They hit a lot of home runs. Okay, that's what power hitters do. It's just what happens. They swing for the fences. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how he develops as a right-handed power hitter. Don't have a lot of right-handed power bats in the Orioles system right now. You're looking at Kobe Mayo, Judd Fabian as the two guys that come to mind, but right-handed power bat would be a good guy to add to the mix. Now, where MOB Pipeline and Baseball America really differ on Martinez is his defensive ability. Okay. MLB Pipeline notes that he's a really athletic kid, has the arm strength to stay in center field. Baseball America not only differs on that, but differs pretty drastically. Baseball America says he's almost certainly a corner outfielder, hmm. and even went as far to say that he is maybe a first baseman. So scouts, again, it's wow. it's hard to tell with somebody that young, but scouts seem to be a little bit all over the place on what he is going to be able to do defensively. If he had that power and was in center field, that yeah. would be bonkers. Right, which is so why I, he's the 28th-ranked prospect on yeah. MLB Pipeline. So, and I mean, I tend to believe that he'll likely be a corner guy just because how many you know, huge home run power guys do you see play a strong center field? Not a ton. Not many, and the guys that do are superstars. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean... Listen, I'm on the train. If Steven wants to be a superstar, I'll support Listen, him. Listen, if he wants to be Luis Robert, more Go power right ahead, to man. you. More power uh, to we're you. We're not stopping you. No. So, like, I'm cool with that. Realistically, I'm I'm probably agreeing with Amer- Baseball America there and saying he's probably a corner outfielder, yeah. but I'd be pumped if he was a center fielder. I think I'd be happy with a happy medium in between those two scouting reports, right? Yeah, Where, where MLB Pipeline says uh, he's a center fielder and Baseball America says uh, he might be a first baseman. I'll settle for power hitting I'll corner outfielder. Left field, I will. Yeah. <laughs> Our take is that we are fine if he is Luis Robert. I think that's a good take yeah. to have about Steven Martinez. I agree. It's a good scouting report there. Kind of best of the rest here of the international class for the Orioles. You've got Elvin Garcia, who's ranked as the 76th best international prospect on Baseball America. They describe him as a lanky athletic shortstop with plus speed and arm strength and a good feel from the barrel from both sides of the plate. Got a switch hitting shortstop. I was about to say, Woo. switch hitting shortstop is cool. That's cool. You don't get a lot of those anymore. You don't. You don't. I feel like switch hitters have, have you know, it's died out a little bit. I think you see switch hitters mostly as an outfielder or a first baseman. Couple catchers. Couple catchers. Yeah. Couple but catchers. Outside of that. Couple good ones. One especially good one. Yeah. So, um, switch yeah, but switch hitting shortstop's cool. Isn't that? That's just fun. Yeah. Um, Elvin's a lanky guy, so, I mean, that's all we know about him right now. But <laughs> He's a lanky dude. I'm sure he'll grow into it. Yeah. You think switch hitting shortstops are cool? I do. How about I give you another one? Jamon Newell, 80th ranked prospect, according to Baseball America. That's another switch hitting shortstop with yeah. plus speed. That's exciting. Woo! Um, like you said, they're kind of filling the Dominican Academy right now, and I love that they're filling it with fun guys like this. Yeah. This is cool for me. A couple me. of switch hitting shortstops. Yeah. And, and again, battling it out. All of these guys are shortstops right now. They're probably not all going to be shortstops. But when you're 16, this feels like 
Little League when you were like 12 and if you were the best player on the team, it was like you, shortstop. Yeah, I've thought about that too in this yeah. process. Like, I'm sure that that guy's just far above his peers and they were like, go play short, man. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what happens. I mean, if you're really good, you play shortstop. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, sure, certainly. Uh, another guy that, that jumped out to me is Steve Molesky noted on MassInSports.com. Right-handed pitcher Esteban Mejia can apparently hit 100 miles an hour. Yeah, you take a chance on a guy who could hit 100. Certainly. It doesn't matter. He's 16 years old and he's hitting 100 on the gun. Yeah, we'll figure it out, man. I mean, <laughs> by the laws of extrapolation, by the time he's 21, he might throw 120. He might throw 200 by then. He might. <laughs> we can't We can't rule it we out. We can't rule it out. He might. He could. You can't say he can't. Can't say he can't. Overall, again, as we said before, there's nobody in this class that absolutely flies off the page as, wow, this is one of the best international prospects that you could have possibly signed. That's not what the Orioles are going for right now. They are going for, let's, you know, fill up this brand new academy with a lot of talent. And yes, I think the larger signings will probably come down the line, but you're building up a reputation right now. Other teams around baseball have that rep. Yes. Where... They are the place to go if you are the top international prospect in all of baseball. Teams like the Braves, teams like the Padres that have done it year after year. Right now, they're the ones that are going to end up with a lot of the top players that are available. The Orioles don't have that reputation yet. They're getting there. They got to start from square one. They did. The more prospects you have like Basayo, the more trust that you are going to earn with these kids that are looking for somewhere to sign. And, and that's huge. And the academy is massive. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, like just going back to it, the fact that their presence before this wasn't huge and they have Samuel Basayo, like again, is, is invaluable to be able to market yourself towards these guys yep. and say, look at what we've done, especially once Basayo makes his debut and, and is off and running. It's a whole different ball game, and the Orioles uh, could absolutely be in that conversation with those other organizations uh, pretty soon. Basayo is really, really important. You can look at the top 100, you can look at the top 10 and say that Jackson Holiday, as the number one overall prospect in baseball, is massively important to the Baltimore Orioles, right? He is going to be a perennial all-star type of player down the line, fingers crossed, right? He is going to be an everyday player at some point in 2024. That is incredibly important to have, that caliber of player, obviously, a franchise cornerstone type of guy. But Samuel Basayo is important in a whole different way. He does have that franchise cornerstone type of talent, clearly, or else he wouldn't be a top 10 prospect in baseball. But as you mentioned, he is also somebody that the Orioles can point to and say, this is what can happen if you signed here. It doesn't have to be for the huge dollar amount. Samuel Basayo had a $1.3 million signing bonus. But if you are joining this organization, you are joining an organization that can develop the absolute heck out of you, starting from the bottom up. It's not just starting from, you know, high A Aberdeen. You're starting in the FCL. You are starting in the Dominican Summer League. This team knows how to develop, guys. And now they have international prospects to point to and say, look what can happen to you if you are in this organization, if you are trusting the coaches, if you are at this academy. 
So yes, like Jackson Holiday is massively important. I think you can make an argument that Pasayo is even more important important yeah. to the overall organization right now. I think you're right about that, 100%. I, I think that argument is there and it is alive and well because, I mean, you just he's kind of the first of his kind in, you know, this Elias era. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, you know, we haven't seen a guy out of uh, the international signing pool that has had as much success as he has and that has the potential to be as great as he does. Um, so, I mean, we're all pretty excited to see what happens with Pisayo, but going back to what you said earlier, he has absolutely put himself in the untouchable echelon of Orioles prospects. Yeah, we knew the Orioles could draft, but they can do this too. And that's huge. I, they, what an incredibly well-rounded organization the Orioles seem to have right now yeah, uh, on every front. And while we are waiting for you know trades, for free agency, for things like that, it's a really exciting few weeks here to be an Orioles fan. I mean, you know, from a fan perspective, you've got the Birdland Caravan coming up next weekend. You've got some exciting international prospects. You've got the opening of the academy. This is a really fun stretch to yep. open up the new year. Absolutely. I think that'll just about wrap things up for this week's edition of The Bird's Nest. If you followed along with us live on Facebook and YouTube, thank you so much for doing so. We love seeing your comments. If you didn't, make sure you follow along with us every Wednesday live at 11 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Comment along with us. Ask your questions, anything you want to do. And you can catch us after the fact as well on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts or your digital shows, you can catch us here on The Bird's Nest. Make sure you are following along with all of our Mass and Orioles social accounts. Throughout the offseason, we will keep you updated with every piece of Orioles offseason news that you need to know about. And, am I doing enough plugs here? We've got the Orioles Hot Stove Show every Thursday at 1.30 on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter as well. So we have got you covered across the board. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes for producing this one. For Matt Bonaparte, I am Brendan Mortensen, and we'll catch you next time.